we're all of us pretending that we didn't know we were on the panel. <laughs> so since Ross does a less convincing job of pretending, um, yeah. why don't you, uh, why don't we all introduce ourselves and then Ross will tell us what the panel's about. Uh, hi, I'm Ross Payton. Uh, I do primarily a podcast called Role Playing Public Radio. Um, I also write for Arc Dream. Uh, I've written a couple books for Monsters and Other Childish Things. Uh, and I published my own book called Zombies of the World, which you can get at the Arc Dream booth. Uh, it's not strictly uh, a gaming product, but it, it, a lot of ga- gamers find it very interesting. Um, and this, that's sort of the inspiration behind this, because I, 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 like, I find zombies interesting. So, hey, Shane, why don't we do a panel about zombies? And I'm like, all right. And he set it up. And obviously... Didn't forgot to tell people about it, um, so that's kind of my background: podcasting and game writing. So, um, my name is George Vasilakos. I'm the owner of Eden Studios. Uh, we produced the All Flesh Must Be Eaten role playing game, which is one of the first zombie role playing games. It came out in 2000, uh, so sold over 35,000 copies worldwide. Four different translations, uh, three fiction anthologies. Uh, it's our, pretty much our flagship title of uh, the company. Uh, we've also done Army of Darkness and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which have zombies in them. <laughs> uh, I do all the art direction, graphic design, and, uh, and creative direction of the company. Uh, so that's pretty much my resume. And then there's Ken Height. I'm Kenneth Height. I am a writer and game designer uh, in the world of zombies, perhaps uh, most famous for GURPS Horror, 3rd uh, and 4th edition, which has plenty of zombies in it. Uh, there's a world in GURPS, uh, horror, uh, GURPS Infinite Worlds, Worlds of Horror, that is after the uh, Spanish flu epidemic of 1918 becomes a zombie plague, which is my sort of original zombie world. And uh, by an odd coincidence, all the mad scientists from Zombie Pulp are still alive, uh, trapped in various hell holes trying to defeat the, the, the horrors. <laughs> Uh, and that's uh, kind of fun and interesting to me anyway. And I've also written uh, Trail of Cthulhu and Night's Black Agents, both of which are uh, different kinds of horror games. One is a Cthulhu investigation game, the other one being uh, a vampire spy thriller. But both, again, present zombies, though not in the sort of shambling mass, but more in the old-school way of minions or individual threats. So, And I will, at some point, uh, have written Zombies 101 from Atomic Overmind, but I haven't written it yet. So you, you'll have to trust me that I have done much of the research. Eventually uh, people listening to this will know that. Right, yes. In the future, yes. it will already be available, so go buy it. <laughs> um, one of the things I like about zombies and games is that even there are even less rules than there are with other classical monsters like you know vampires or werewolves. Uh, you can pretty much do whatever you want with a zombie, and as long as it has a few... Defining characteristics people accepted as zombie. I mean, I actually just ran a game of All Flesh Must Be Eaten and posted it on the podcast uh, set in London during the Olympics um, because if you read about the security precautions that they did in London, putting like anti-aircraft missiles on apartment buildings nearby, and they just opened a skyscraper called the Shard, and it looks like something out of a 1980s cyberpunk dystopia. And with all this dystopian, you know, security state nonsense, well, why not add zombies? So I added zombies to it, and it was a fun uh, one-shot. And that's the thing I like is that there are so many, there, you know, there's the classic, you know, Night of the Living Dead zombie that people always recognize. But people seem to be willing to accept, you know, infinite mutations and variations. And what they do with them is, is very 
there's such a range that I think they're really uh, uh, ripe for gaming. So, um, And that's kind of the approach we took with, like, for example, our flesh must be eaten. Everyone's just like, how can you make a role-playing game out of zombies? Like, you've only got one bad guy, one antagonist. Uh, the way we approached the role-playing game was we made it more of a tool set. Uh, you can make zombies fast, you can make them slow, you can make them, the only way to kill them is by destroying their brain, or another way you can do is setting them on fire, or maybe the only way to get rid of them is freezing them. Uh, but by, gi- by giving the players options and variations, you can expand the genre. Everyone's always like, how can I do a campaign with, you know, with, with zombies as antagonists? Uh, what you'll learn is, you know, like with most role-playing games, it's about the players. Uh, and you can do a lot with zombies, believe me. Uh, this product was produced in 2000 as a joke. Uh, it was one of those, uh, I was playing Resident Evil, said, Resident Evil, this is a great game. It should be a role-playing game. But I don't want to make my, my zombie setting set in some little town in the Midwest where, you know, an evil corporation spilled some chemicals in the water. Uh, I want it to be this. And then my friend Chris Shaw, who did the cover and the art, he was all like, well, why don't we just make it a setting where you have multiple settings in the book, like a toolkit. And that's how we approach the project. And since then, it's taken off like wildfire by giving people options, you know, instead of just locking it down to one one type, you can do a lot. And joining us now is Mr. Dennis Detwiller from uh, Arc Dream, one of the co-authors of Delta Green, and uh, what are some of the other works? Uh, I guess zombie-wise, uh, Prototype, uh, the video game, I created that. Wow. that. I get to destroy New York with a zombie virus. <laughs> Beloved, where are you? <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I think, to to expand on what George said, uh, zombie movies, the good ones at least, are not about the zombies, they're about the characters. They're They're about about the the poor bastards trapped in that farmhouse or running through London or whatever it is that's going on with them. And zombies are an excuse for players who don't like to delve into personality to delve into personality. (laughs) Um, It's a genre in which you are expected to go PvP, to start yelling at each other, to have emotional Inter- crises and breakdowns <laughs> and emotional uh, interparty conflict. And it, it's a genre in which the GM is allowed and indeed expected to slowly take your toys away. It's a genre in which all the things that we don't allow ourselves to play in conventional role-playing, even in conventional horror role-playing, are stripped off. And we just the reason that Call of Cthulhu is so successful is by playing Call of Cthulhu, you signed a contract that your character will die or go mad. <laughs> and that means you are liberated from the kind of power gaming adolescent bullshit that infects every other role-playing game you play. <laughs> so in a zombie game, you've signed a contract that says, I am going to be brutalized emotionally and physically as part of this game. And that liberates you from sort of walling yourself off in a shell, either of you know fake machismo or yeah. of... I'm just a game piece and nothing that my player character thinks or feels actually matters. And so zombie gaming, certainly when done um, uh, interestingly, I mean, obviously everything's interesting, but it's just a tactical, how do I survive in the shopping mall? That's great for one night. But as George says, you can't really get a campaign out of it. You know, fortunately, there's a second floor on the shopping mall you didn't know about. You know, yeah. that, you know. I'm, so, amazed, <laughs> I'm amazed over the years how many people, emails we've gotten from people, you know, fans, how they've said, we're still running our game six months later. We expected All Flesh to be a one- or two-night session, which we expected the same thing, too. I mean, you guys are all going to get together to play Pathfinder tonight. Now, two guys didn't show up. Oh, you know what? Why don't we take All Flesh off the shelf, grab some of the pre-made archetypes, and let's just <coughs> survive till dawn. It makes for a great game like that. You know, it's a nice little filler game. But 
I'm amazed that through thousands of people playing it, they've come up with ways to expand it into a campaign. You know, one of it is like one of our supplements. Uh, we took all that data from players and we made a book called One of the Living where it expands campaign play for uh, All Flesh Must Be Eaten or any zombie game. You can use it for any game. Um, instead of the most traditional games start off during the rise. You know, the outbreak's happening now. That makes for a great one or two, three night session, right? But one of our campaign setting books tells you how to start the game six months later. You guys have got barricaded little cities like in Day of the Dead, the remake. You know, there's a lot of potential for role-playing there where the zombies are just the antagonists in the background. But there's, you know, evil humans, you know, band, band of bandits. Or if you want to even go full-blown with, like, Resident Evil and have the, 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 the strain has mutated six months, late, six months later. And they're, normal, they're not shambling hordes anymore. They're these, you know, tentacle-riding things from Cthulhu. You know, so there's a, like I said, putting zombies is a nice flavor, but there's a lot of expandability with it. Yeah, I mean, you can do everything from sort of like a zombie virus destroying New York and a lot of action, black conspiracy, to uh, one of my friends is actually thinking about setting up an All Flesh Must Be Eaten campaign based on a novel. And I can't think of the novel's name, it just came out, but the idea is that everything west of the Mississippi is zombie territory and east of the Mississippi is the safe zone. But what people sneak over to the the west side to loot, but there's also people who put high bounties on their zombified grandparents or their loved ones or whatever. And so these bounty hunters go out and try to find these these specific zombies and put them down and then provide proof of it so that their families can have closure. And like also, well, it's also I think it's also to resolve will, like wills and legal disputes to say, yeah, he's really dead this time. I he's not this the insurance company's going. Yeah. Hey, he's walking around Duluth. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> you get him on a slab, we'll talk. Until yeah. then, you're, you know, so you're it, like the campaign would be like not just zombie survival horror, because but it would also be like a mystery because like here's this dead guy. You here's what you know about his life. How do you find him as a zombie? Like the zombie would go around to places, would be somewhere where he was in life probably. But you know, how do you find this one rotting needle in a giant flesh haystack? I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, the phrase "giant flesh haystack." Any of you had it on your cards? Mark it off now. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's the thing. The zombies are better than not as. You know, I think a lot of people use them as like cannon fodder. You know, they're the low level things to level up on or whatever. But they're they're there's so much more potential. It's it's how they're used. So. Uh, but that's kind of the tricky part too. How do you use zombies intelligent? Well, how do you use them intelligently? How do you use them intelligently in your game? Um, and I think that's kind of the dilemma uh, for a lot of these games. How? What do you do that's interesting or new? So um, I don't know for you guys. I mean, take 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 for example, Walking Dead. I'm sure you've yeah. all seen the Walking Dead TV show. I mean, much different than the comic. But look at look at the TV show. Why you know, the comic book has zombies in it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, why why hasn't Hollywood? You know done a t zombie TV show in the past. They just had no faith that, oh, you know, this wouldn't work. But now look at it. It's like this phenomenon. But is there zombies every episode? No. It's, it's about, it's about the, the characters, you know. But the threat is there. It's, it's you know, and it's real for them. You know, it's, it's, they don't have to be, you know, underworld vampires with supernatural abilities. I mean, you're talking the very simplest thing. It's a shambling pile of flesh walking around that can kill you. You know, or 28 days later, where you know they run fast, and you know, hope hope you got your cardio worked up. You know, but it's it's basically there's so much potential with zombies, it's it's ridiculous. It's and a lot of it boils down to horror, you know, and storytelling. 
you know, set the mood when you, when you play the game. You know, make it, you know, explain everything. Describe the, the stench, the, the setting. Um, and it's just zombies are overlooked, but now everyone kind of likes them because they're, <laughs> they're popular, like, like, like vampires were. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, removing Carl from the Walking Dead equation, you lose about a third of the show. Yeah. <laughs> that where, where's Carl? Carl? That's what they should call the show. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, where's Carl? Yeah, where's Carl? It's the bastard. sitcom. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, you'll, you'll notice zombies become an effect of the world. Um, at a certain point. I mean, but the, the classical idea is just you're confronting death. Death's confronting you. It's chasing you. Um, so it's a very powerful image, and I, I'm not too surprised it's, it continuously resurges since God, I, when I walked with the zombie, going all the way back. Right? I mean, it, the, the, the first zombie movie that was uh, actually any um, kind of, had any kind of effect was White Zombie. The oh, yeah, that was great. But again, white zombie, I walk with a zombie. Those the first zombies, the horror is not the zombies are going to get me. The horror is I'm going to be made into a zombie. Yeah. Right? And very and once Romero sort of reinvented the field uh, with uh, Night of the Living Dead by combining them with the vampire uh, because he couldn't get the rights to I Am Legend, um, he created that perfect modern man fear, which is I will be overwhelmed by the ignorant mass. <laughs> Combining with you know mortality, death that I can't control, something that simply cannot be stopped is going to kill me. In 1968, it was you know uh, the fear of race riots and the fear of uh, nuclear war. Now it's the fear of uh, global warming or terrorism, whatever it happens to be. It's always some huge mega cause that you can't stop, and it's personified by literally everyone else in the world turning into a cannibalistic monster. Right. And then the infection becomes the way into the old fear of zombieism, which is the fear of becoming a zombie, of becoming a living dead, of somehow knowing what your fate is after you die, which is a terrifying thing, uh, certainly uh, as delivered by, by this genre. So the thing that you can do with those tropes, once you sort of know what the tropes are built to do in gaming, you just add conflicts that mirror those. Like, it's not a coincidence that Romero has a black guy and a white guy together yeah. in the farmhouse, yeah. right? That's to drive both obvious, you know, interpersonal drama in 1968, but also to play on the themes of the setting, of the themes of the zombie. What are the zombie creating? And again, you know, his um, uh, Land of the Dead with, uh, you know, Dennis Hopper as King of the Evil Republicans. His zombies are now representing, you know, um, uh, revolution and social turmoil, the masses. And that's a different thing to make zombies represent, but he... He does it considerably less well than he does in the first trilogy, but still, yeah. the, the point is that he, you're reusing the zombies to symbolize a different kind of a fear yeah. and a different kind of a, Dawn, of a struggle. Dawn would be consumerism. Right, yeah. Day is like the military. Is, is, is military blind obedience to right. policy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it is true. You know, selecting a theme and running with it uh, in, your, in your own personal zombie apocalypse it can end up answering a lot of questions just way down the road. Um, there have been a couple movies recently that I've seen, uh, and this delves a little bit into vampire territory, but Stakeland was kind of entertaining. Um, it had some neat ideas. Uh, the Road, mm-hmm. in its own strange way, could be yep. considered a zombie movie. Uh, uh, you know, the militias gathering people up and eating them and kind of dragging them off. These almost walking dead, radioactive weirdos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, very recently I watched Night of the Creeps again and had a great time watching Oh, the 1980s. Yeah, the cheesy 1980s, yeah. 1985, you know. 
Oh, wait, I'm thinking of Night of the, the Comets. Is it Night of the Creeps or Night of the Comets? Night of the Comets is a good one. And Night yeah. of the Creeps was the uh, brain slugs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Night of the Comet, let's go to the mall with Uzis, was a, yeah. You know, yeah. a nice commentary on the culture. Oh, the great thing about Night of the Comet is it was a celebration of other culture. Yeah. It's not a ironic yeah, 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 no, it's It was like, no, this is. You know the Valley Girls are the most uh, are the most adapted human beings on the planet, <laughs> which what? was delightful on a lot of levels. You mentioned uh, the road, and that brought to mind a very popular zombie game. I'm probably everyone in this room has heard of it since you're at this panel, uh, Daisy. Um, and I think as a role play, like, have you heard of this? Um, it's a mod for Arma Two, uh, which is like a hyper realistic military simulation. And in Daisy, they just added. Like zombies, and the map itself in the game is like 200 square kilometers of this simulated Soviet Republic, and there's just random weapons that you find, and that's it. Like you, you can go cold, you can go. It is the most intense. It's fantastic, but there's yeah. no end game to it, and so people make their own game within it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a private server I play with a bunch of my friends um, and people we randomly invite every once in a while. It's pretty intense. It's it's not like your typical shooter. Um, I mean. You don't just run around and, and just shoot everything like in the Call of Duty zombie mods. In this one, environment, you know, the temperature plays an effect. Your character can get sick, you know, just from the, you know, staying out in the cold all night long. You know, you get hungry, you got to salvage for food. Um, and then the key thing is if you make too much noise, the zombies find you. And, they, and since they're dead, they just don't give up, like literally until they find you, you know. Um, so you got to creep around in the game. Literally, you can spend 15, 20 minutes crawling in the grass in the game just to move 200 feet to get to the rifle that you see in the distance. And some people, it's amazing. People, you know, Big computer game companies are like, no one's going to want to play a game like this. But here's a guy who used to work for a computer game company, made this as a mod and on his own time. And it's, it's, like, and it's far more popular than Call of Duty right now. You know, and it's just like there's a niche that, that feel. You know, it's, it really is the terror, the terror feel. Uh, I play it in the dark, and it scared the shit out of me. I mean, it, and, and it takes a lot to scare the shit out of me, but the first time I lit a flare, because I was walking around, and, and all I got was moonlight in the game, yeah. and I've got two monitors, you know, in, in, in my little man cave, and I lit a flare, and all I saw was, like, six zombies around me, and I was like, okay, I'm done, and I just wasted four hours crawling around in the game, and then I got to start over again, awesome. I was just like, but it was awesome, it was the fear, yeah. it was the, the adrenaline rush, and, and Daisy simulated it, like, and phenomenally. And speaking to the blindness of production, or the original pitch for Prototype, it was a game called The End. So you're the only ones armed when this all goes down in the middle of an inner city and Activision was like, no one would never play that. <laughs> Zombies are so done, don't even think about it. This was 2005. But the thing about DayZ is that while there are zombies, it's primarily a player versus player game. I mean, that, that's the whole point of the game. There's no real end game other than wandering around, not dying, and trying to make other people die. Because that, you know, you can't trust anybody in that game. You want and, their stuff. Yeah, you want their stuff, you want their or stuff. you just want, don't want to be shot yourself because you spent four hours crawling in the gr uh, uh, grass to find yeah, uh, that even, rock. There's even a group trolling with a bus. Oh yeah, the they the, drive around in a bus, force you to disarm yourself. Say we're going to take you to the camp. Put you, you know, you get inside. They drive you in the middle of nowhere, dump you, no weapons, no weapons. Uh, and they're like, well, you know, that's nature. Nature's taking care of itself. Well, I saw that same video <laughs> where they did that, but they put them in this pit yeah. or this field surrounded by barbed wire, yeah. and they close it off, and they give each one of them an axe and say, only one of you gets out of yeah, here. Yeah, they do that too. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, it's a really good game, but you know, something like that can't, you can't get the emotion and feel of sitting around the table with a bunch of friends. Yeah, um, right. It, Putting you in a pit. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, that's going to happen in those zombie games. So. Well, I think that's, I mean, going back to, you know, tabletop games, that you, I guess you kind of have to think, what is the primary antagonist of your, of what if you're designing a zombie-themed game, who are your re- who are the real enemies in this game? Are they the zombies? Are they that bad, or are they people? And the zombies are just an obstacle. And uh, I, what do you? I mean, I could see both ways working, you know. So I don't know. What have you experienced in the past? Like in terms, of what's been better? Like fighting other humans in a zombie uh, game, or just dealing with the zombies? It depends on the game. It depends on the purpose. Um, usually, my games aren't about that kind of um, uh, reach down into yourself and pull out your soul and put it in a hole with an axe. <laughs> They're more about uh, different problem solving and the zombies become an, apo- uh, an obstacle on the way to that. Okay. We got a question. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I actually ran a, a zombie game where my players made versions of themselves in, in, in like a D&D type of a, a thing. And I just played, you know, hey, we're all sitting here playing Dungeons and & Dragons and all of a sudden the zombie apocalypse happens. I originally intended that the zombies were just going to be the antagonists and we were going to have, have some fun. Six months later, there's so many interparty conflicts and I'm funny, and it sort of evolved. So I think that, at least in my experience, the way it's worked is the zombies started off as the main antagonist, and then it just sort of naturally grew into everyone hated <laughs> That's uh, how we always like to say, like, with people always ask me, it's like, don't, don't people get bored playing off Flesh Must Be Eaten with zombies? It's like, no, they're the environment. They're the setting. You yeah, know? I mean, one of the great uh, challenges for game design is how do you make man versus nature stories interesting? You know, the guy who's climbing up the glacier and all the cold is trying to kill him. Well, the way you do it is you personify it as zombies. And yeah. suddenly, yeah. you know, if we could figure out a way to have as much tactical fun um, uh, wearing uh, thinsulite uh, garments and um, uh, building a fire as we do shooting zombies in the head, we'd be halfway to a game of Antarctic exploration. Yeah, give me another climb roll. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little boring after a while. But saying, I can climb it in the head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the secret. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that so many people managed to play longer campaigns because my experience is that the group dissolves ridiculously fast as long as you as the GM do not enforce severe area control and restrict their movement. But because they, everyone starts getting their own agenda, like, I want to go home and see if my loved ones are still there, or I want to go there because there's safety, or this and this. And in the end, like players wander off, players, characters wander off, characters get killed. And, so, and you cannot really provide a turnover because you getting new people in is even harder than keeping the rest together. Well, I mean, I think that if your players are wandering off and getting killed, you know, if that happens twice and the third guy says, I'm going to go find my Aunt Rudy, yeah. you know, EA, they may be sending you a signal about your game. <laughs> or B, they may decide that's the fun part is I want to go wandering off and get killed by zombies. I mean, in the sort of the Call of Cthulhu, you know, yeah. don't touch the glowing ruby, this glowing ruby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I am... Um, I, I would definitely say, I mean, there's another there's another angle where you, usually these games begin in a, a kind of prefab, here's your character, zombie, one night, we're going to play this, and it goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Uh, constructing that with an eye towards the future might be a good thing. Like, they're a family, or they're interrelated in the military. You know, they, they know each other. He's the colonel, and they're all, and, you okay. know. For example, um, our campaign started with a SWAT team, mm-hmm. and with an outbreak. So right. you have 
because then you have great characters, so survival ability is a bit higher, you have weapons, you have equipment, but still it was it was a team of people who work together and who might be friends, but right. still they just Why they, they don't care enough for each other to really stick together I, for some yeah. reason. I, I mean maybe I, it's just a group But but again, yeah, I mean the, if the first guy to wander off gets eaten by zombies and then the second guy to wander off gets eaten by zombies and Darwin is not keeping them together, then nothing is going to keep them together, right? And you, and what you do then is you just enjoy whittling the guys down, and then you start making a thing that the zombies are like, "There's two meals that come from that yeah. compound. We're going to go check that out." Yeah. That's a good place to eat. That's, um, that's apparently there's a pantry in there. Somewhere. No, I, I, I also think you know there, there's a tendency for D and D you know style gameplay to bleed over into you know more real world style. It's not as easy as you might think to pull up, you know, I would guess an M16 on somebody and go, you know what, we're going to find my Aunt Rhodey. You know, like, <laughs> like hey, if everybody's a highly armed, highly trained SWAT member, it's it, unless, you know, someone's life is directly on the line, I highly doubt everybody's going to draw down on each other. Um, so, you know, the players might want to rethink the, you know, the, the cheapness of human life in that campaign, especially if you know, 60 million zombies are boiling over the earth and gone, and, and they're the last five guys in some SWAT station somewhere. Um, so, you know, it might be a matter of perspective on their part, but, you know, as Ken says, yeah, just chop them up, start again. As so they call Cthulhu method. Meanwhile, at the uh, SWAT station in Dusseldorf, yeah. <laughs> a different SWAT team has also survived until right now. What do you suppose they're doing? Let's look, shall we? <laughs> Reinforces the value of human life, yeah, and, and serves that purpose of kind of giving the players a reason to put a lid on their, uh, you know. Well, actually, I mean, like the World of Darkness has a good morality system. Last time, the New World of Darkness, I think, like if you don't save people, if you're just a total, you know, like shoot you in the knees, haha, the zombies will eat you, and I'll get away. Like you, your humanity goes down, and you you get screwed that way. I, mean, uh, I would say it's hard to say that there'd be a system. It really comes down to that. What are you role playing then? Do you want a mechanic for that? I mean, it should be about you guys sitting around a table having fun. But you role-play that situation. Like, I've had people criticize uh, All Flesh because we don't have rules for relationships. You know, like, some other game company has this rule for relationships in a game. And I'm like, really? Do you want me to put hard hardcore rules for that? Can't you just role-play that out? You know what I mean? It's like, so you, the same thing applies. Can't you just role-play the morality of what's going to be going on? I mean... With our game, I could say with our game, and even with World of Darkness, because I'm a fan of World of Darkness, is those systems are light on rules, you know, and they're there because they emphasize role playing. Put yourself, put a bunch of people in a situation. The rules, the die mechanics are there, just the task resolute. But I want to role play why I'm not going to kill this guy, because you know, like one customer said today at the booth, uh, there was five. Of, I was playing a game of All Flesh, and there was five of us, and we only had uh, food for four. <laughs> And, uh, and then we had food for great. six. He goes, he goes, we had food for four. And then when one player said he was going to bed, uh, I said, uh, I'm going to go in the room, guys. And I closed the door, and the rest of the party heard bang. And uh, I shot him, you know, when he was sleeping. So it was a coup de grace. So I came out and told the rest of the party, we now have food for four, you know, because there's one less party member. It's like, did you really just kill another party member and let him sit there for two more hours while you guys played? And he's like, this is what I wanted to do. You know, obviously he had no morality problems there, but do you... Do you put a mechanic on that? 
or do you role play it out? Well, you can put a mechanic on that, and it can be as specific as if a game is about emotional relationships as opposed to about targeting, then you want mechanics that support emotional relationships, and you can role play out the targeting, right? Um, so, what you can have for something like that, I mean, Call of Cthulhu, for example, if that happened yep. in Call of Cthulhu, you'd roll sanity to murder a guy in his bed, yeah. right? Yeah. In, um, uh, in, in, in a, a, a Fear Itself game, you'd, roll, you'd make a stability test to be able to murder the guy in his bed. Um, in, a, in a vampire game, that would cost you humanity. There's various, there's, there's various ways that a various game can, can metric that. And I think that any game, I mean, for, for my personal taste, and this is not to tell everyone how to do things, for my personal taste, a good zombie game should have both some sort of, at the very least, a role-playing guideline meter to tell you when you have actually crossed the line into monsterhood. Uh, you know, because you have been murdering and eating people or whatever it is. And it should also have really good shotgun rules. <laughs> right? Accurate. Just because that's the fun... You know, I don't, I don't care for simulationists. I just want them to be good. <laughs> fun, fun rules for shotgunning things. Because that's the other fun thing about, about zombie, zombie games is literally the license to murder all your neighbors. Yeah. And... and that's part of the illicit fun of zombies is to be the, the guy up on the roof of the of the yeah. of the target yeah. with the with the sporting goods section piled around right. him saying, Ha ha yeah. <laughs> now yeah. I can show those guys who didn't vote for Ron Paul or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> well it's interesting, even in Day Z there is a morality mechanic. If you start murdering people um, then you you eventually your your uh, your outfit changes. You actually start wearing a black hat and a black outfit, and people identify you as a bandit, and they can kill you for free without like uh, also turning into a bandit. So like the idea is that someone who's not a bandit is possibly trustworthy, but you know like that or that means they yeah. just haven't killed anybody yet. So. Yeah, I mean the, the mechanical aspects of Call of Cthulhu are were built in the golden age of like let's walk through this as a dungeon. And <laughs> the priest is in league with the shooter. Yeah. Okay, what has he got? You know, and they were designed to stop that kind of behavior or, at a very blunt level, or at least slow it down. Yeah, a bit. yeah. <laughs> speed bump uh, on it. So it's the equivalent of just taking hit points damage to your mind every time. You know, oh, or yeah, your well, soul. Yeah, yeah, it's a D four, <laughs> um, and it, it works relatively well to prevent the classic power gaming personality from just thunking his way through the game with a rifle, uh, shooting the innocent villagers one by one until. Shoveling rock comes up from the ground. Um, so it, I've run it in zombie games before, and it's worked. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I've always wondered about in zombie games, like you mentioned, I've actually run the same type of game where, like, you play yourself. You're in our the town we're in now. Zombies show up. What do you do? That kind of sandbox, open-ended thing. Um, but there, I mean, there are obviously different campaign structures. Like one, the I think the stereotypical thing in an RPG is like. You're all elite soldiers and scientists. There's a possible way to go cure the zombie virus. Go do it, you know. Uh, but so the, those are the two campaign structures. And then you can think of like The Walking Dead, where they have quests and missions, but those missions aren't going to save or change the world. They're just important to themselves. You know, find the missing girl, find shelter, find a place for your pregnant wife, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know what uh, that. So that's kind of the question I always wonder: is like what what leads to the best <laughs> game? What leads to the most entertaining game? Um, because like sandbox games can be really fun, at, but like they always degenerate into Reservoir Dogs with you know shotguns and zombies. Right. Because you know what else are they going to do? Idle hands. You right? say re- degenerate. I say evolve. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it still boils down to the you know you, you as a GM, you're going to tell a story. 
you know, and the zombies are going to be the antagonists or the or the environment. But here's your story. Guide your players through it. I mean, of course, they're going to go right and left and back, you know, left turn at Albuquerque, the whole nine yards. But it's basically set up your story and and your goals as a GM of what you want to do and what you want the players to do. Of course, they're going to, like I said, throw a red herring in your plans, but the zombies are there to either push them back on course to your story or, you know, track them from the story. It's, it's really up to the GM. I mean, any game, no matter what game system it is, is as good as the guy running it, you know, and the players are there to have fun and, you know, and play in your sandbox. Mm-hmm. So, did we have any, did you have a question earlier? Or, yeah. Did you? I was just going to say, if you have twin SWAT members, you can give them a child and <laughs> an NPC to get yeah. attach them to the world. This yeah. is your companion cube. I mean, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've noticed that, at least uh, personally, I use zombies all the time in my game, and I've got a very specific formula for how they operate, what they think, what they do, how to kill them, and all this other stuff going to ask you, what do you think is the most interesting zombie permutation that you guys have seen or come up with? The most interesting permutation that I've ever seen is the movie Pontypool. Pontypool. Oh, yeah. Pontypool. Yeah. If yeah. you haven't seen it, oh, for God's sake, Netflix it and see it. It is yeah. a zombie apocalypse in which the zombie apocalypse is spread by news of the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> so... Yeah. So, some it's, it's really good watching. Watch it. It. Yeah. Don't it, say anymore. It, it, it's just, it, it, you really it, need to watch it. Yeah, it's, it, it's it, just it'll... amazingly good and amazingly original. And the performance that they got out of this sort of no-name D-list character yeah. actor as the star yeah. is Fantastic. tremendous. It's just it, it's one of the best zombie movies I've seen in forever. Yeah. And it is absolutely a brilliantly unique, clever take on zombies it, and, and how they function. I agree with Ken on that one, yeah. It, it's... Oh. It's it's a fantastic book as well, which is it's called Ponty Pool. I heard the book didn't have very much to do with the movie, like it. No, no, it's 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 really close. Okay, it's a very good book. It's just much longer and more drawn out. Um, It was speaking of movies. I actually saw um, Wreck and Wreck Two, and they had a very interesting twist on the zombie virus uh, or the zombie idea. Uh, So this is the original Spanish version. You you've probably heard of Quarantine, which was the American remake. Quarantine is not... Ad- the first one, Quarantine is just a shot-for-shot remake, and they remove the thing that makes it interesting. Um, <laughs> so it's just like... in the Quarantine, it's, it's just rabies. Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, so it's okay, but... I mean, the movie is just shot-for-shot, shot, so it's... So, yeah, but Wreck 2, it just goes off the wall, and it's it's Spanish. Uh, not, and it, <laughs> So right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, Span- it's Spanish because it, well, it, you know, I know some people are like, oh, I don't want to read a movie, but, you know, um, I live in the Midwest, what can I say? Uh, <laughs> I live in the Midwest, what's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't want to spoil, but I'll just say, like, they, the reason I'm bringing up Spanish is because they're a very Catholic country, and it comes into play in Wreck uh, 2. So uh, that, if you want to get in mind for ideas, uh, I would look into that. And the other thing, in terms of games, it's always... The thing I, I like the most is the, is whatever gimmick you can think of that the players haven't encountered yet. Like, to come up with just some new sort of twist that, that no one's exactly done before, and they'll always be creeped out. Like, what I did for the Shard, the game I just ran of All Flesh Machine, like, a month ago, is I thought that the you could only get infected through ocular fluids. So the zombies would, uh, their eyes would literally start swelling up. And then they'd just close in and their eyes would just explode 
on whoever was uh, in contact, and then they become infected. And, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing was that, like, the language center of the person and the, the kill, kill were disconnected. So the person would be talking to you and asking you, like, hey, what's going on? Can you help me? While they're throttling you. And so, like, there's this weird disconnect between that. So uh, players are really not happy with me when I when they figure that out. So there's a movie that's uh, similar to that, and it, it had two different names, and one of them was, ah, zombies. <laughs> and I forget what the other uh, name was that it also got released as. But it's one where the characters are infected by zombies. Yeah. By the zombie virus that gets into the ice cream they eat. And <laughs> the zombie virus makes everyone else seem weirdly sped up to them. Yeah. So they're like, oh my god, the world's been infected by fast-moving zombies from 28 <laughs> days later. <laughs> and then when you flip it into the non-player character's viewpoint, yeah. they see our character shambling around. <laughs> and that so they're, they've turned into Romero zombies. Oh, wow. And so the movie keeps flipping between viewpoints. Yeah. And so they're like, I don't understand what's going on. And the, they, the one guy who's escaped from the military uh, base is like, We've been infected with an experimental super soldier virus. That's why we can be shot and not die. <laughs> but we were worried that while they were testing it, they let a zombie virus out at the same time. So we have to go kill all these zombies. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my God. And the, the trouble is it's also sort of a, a, a 90s smart aleck workplace comedy in the middle of all this. And so there's never a moment of horror. But just as a high concept for yeah. Zombies. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to try that. With, I know the players. It, it, it's it's pretty good. I think the problem is with my players. I know one, even when they figure out, oh, we're zombies. All right, well, let's keep killing everybody. Yeah, we, yeah, we can't yeah. stop That's now. You know. As, yeah. as a zombie, I'm just role playing my character. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the one that struck me. Uh, this is just general undead. Um, they're called ghouls and zombies in the in the reference material. Is Fawford and the Gray Mouser? Um, the ghouls, the zombies are. It's actually a virus that kind of infects a normal human and they slowly begin to go transparent until they appear like a skeleton and they, they're terrified of light. It literally burns them, their organs. So you wander into a cave and you see the skeleton walking around doing everything that was doing, like hustling wine. You know, but they're feral and eat people. And it was just very cleverly done. And it just felt totally cool because, you know, you come back from the cave and the fantasy campaign go, there were these walking magical skeletons. They actually have flesh. You hit them, they, they bleed. They're just transparent and spill out all over you. It's really disgusting. I think one other idea is, the thing is in most zombie movies, there's only like one type of zombies. But one of the things I liked in like Left 4 Dead, the video game, and a few other... Uh, things of that nature is that there's variations. So, I mean, that's a really good thing you can do in a game is you, you introduce zombie type A and it can do X, Y, and Z. And then, oh, play, let's, yeah, let us screw with the players for a while. And then, like, after a while, they're okay, we got this figured out. We can deal with our other problems. We can figure out how we get food for four people for five players, you know, and they're, they're already... Then you introduce zombie type B, and it's got tentacles or something like that, or it can recite the alphabet backwards while it's ripping your throat out, and, you know, <laughs> things are just bad. And so then, you know, that's, I think, an underused idea in zombie literature or games. There's a, um, uh, there's a creature in Ramsey Campbell's uh, mythos stories called uh, the Brood of Ihort. Yeah. Ihort is a great old one, and oh, yeah. gets in you he starts breeding little horrible white corpse spiders in your body using your flesh as the raw material thereof. And uh, when you are faced with one of these brood of ivors who are sort of staggering around because their neurological system is all busted, and you shoot them, 
what does not happen is that they die. I mean, maybe the human uh, frame dies, maybe it doesn't. What actually happens is a whole bunch of white dead spiders pours out of the wound and goes everywhere in the room. <laughs> and, of course, if one of them survives, the whole miserable problem starts over again. So you get the same sort of zombie burn-everything, flamethrowers and hazmat suits ethos, but it isn't zombies qua zombies. It's the actual little organism of making you into a zombie that is the real threat. Yeah. And it's you know, just large enough that players believe they can kill it with, in fact, having no prayer of hell. I mean, like anyone who's ever you know, sprayed their house for termites knows, <laughs> you're just guessing and you know, hanging up uh, fetish symbols. You're not actually doing <laughs> Um, there's a bunch of really good, like, real-world reference. Um, the Hot Zone. Yeah, uh, right. Is it Harris? What's his name? I forget. Yeah. He also wrote a fictional book about a man who, who uh, a bioengineer, who decides he's going to start the new renaissance by killing off eight-tenths of the population mm-hmm. with the virus that he engineers, which involves a, a real-world disease that children get where they chew on their own extremities and bite their lips off. Mm-hmm. And he marries that to the common cold and releases it in called Cobra Event, mm-hmm. and it's, it's Richard, fantastic. Richard Preston. Richard Preston, thank you very much. Yeah, Ebola, the hot zone is about an Ebola outbreak. It describes in detail what Ebola does, how to contain it, how it spreads, all this kind of stuff, and it follows the zombie epidemic very, very closely. And, uh, yeah, Cobra Event is a zombie epidemic, but a bioengineered one. And uh, uh, Jonathan Mayberry, who's got a series of um, uh, sort of occult pulp thrillers, um, has... Uh, his first uh, uh, in that series, the Joe Ledger series, is called, I think, Patient Zero. And it's about a guy who's recruited into the government's secret team of badasses because he's a Baltimore cop on the front lines when the bad guys, you know, uh, unleash a zombie virus and trouble ensues. But it's uh, very much sort of your techno thriller badass versus zombies. And that's good for a, a role playing game in which the players are all assuming that they are techno thriller badasses as opposed to schlubs in a farmhouse. <laughs> so, um, especially in movies, getting infected and turned to a zombie is usually always the same. So you get bitten, you get sick, you die, you resurrect. Mm-hmm. So there's very rarely examples of like a conscious transformation into a zombie without the step of dying, of being human dying a zombie. So is that something, and I wonder if that's something that would be nice for a role-playing game to have, like, the player experience, like, losing its, his or her humanity, and um, do you think you could keep a player character even after the physical death as a player character, just by, I don't know, I mean, there are some zombies who have, like, memories of their I guess it, I guess it like depends that. on your campaign. It yeah. depends on your campaign. There are intelligent zombies, and like there's, you know, Return of the Living Dead, uh, Monster Island novel. There's a few zombies that retain their intelligence uh, and control other zombies. Uh, the satire Fido, where yeah, it's all Fido about you know, our zombies. Better so you can definitely people. come up with like uh, a zombie, uh, a post living state. I think that's one of the oh, flesh must be in campaign. One of, the yeah, fate well, virus or something. Yeah, one one of our. Uh, Better selling supplements is uh, Enter the Zombie, where you play uh, martial artists, you know, Hong Kong martial artists, ancient masters, all that coming, you know, back from the dead, and you get to play them, you know, martial art zombies, you know. So it gives rules for all that. It's like it's like you know, if you if you, it's all depends on like if you want that in your campaign. I, mean, I think I, yeah, I think there's a lot of material there that hasn't 
been really explored in a lot of games. I think players don't wouldn't even really think about them. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. On the idea of what he's saying, we've been running the Palladium uh, Dead Rain, and they have a half living where you were almost killed or at the brink of death by a zombie and paramedically brought back. There's roles to keep yourself from uh, going under. Actually, it's what <laughs> my character and his game did, and uh, then you become half-living. You look kind of like what I did my makeup today. Your veins are showing. You look sunken in and sickly. Uh, you eat half of what you used to eat, but you still retain your human humanity right. and the dumb zombies think you're one of them. So you can actually walk through the dumb ones as the smarter zombies that catch on. And if you attack up the zombies, they kind of look at you like, why are you attacking us? Then they'll fight back at you. But it's a really cool transition. I couldn't wait to die, actually. I've been bugging him, kill me, I want to be a half. And I rolled two perfect rolls right off the bat so I could become it. So. Uh I'm kind of just loving the notion of um, uh, the Jason Statham movie Crank yeah, as yeah, a zombie yeah. movie, right? Yeah, like yeah. The, he's dead, but he, as long as he can keep <laughs> jolting himself back to life, he yeah, can keep funny. wandering through life, killing everyone he meets. It's, it, it, that's that's actually kind of all kinds of terrific. You know, you got yeah. a little Frankenstein unit have to stay in motion. Guys that have to stay in motion have to keep the electricity flowing. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's actually a, a webcomic that reminds me called the Zombie Hunters, um, and the premise is that. The zombie virus, if it doesn't kill you, some people can get bitten, but they actually survive, or they, they don't turn. But they're basically, whenever they do die, whatever, they will become a zombie. So they're pariahs. You know, they're, they're like, nobody wants to be around you, because if you have a heart attack, there's going to be problems. You know, so they, and the, since they're immune to further zombie infection, they're, like, used by the government to go out in the, the hot zones and, like, scavenge for supplies and stuff like that. So their lives suck, but, you know, like, what they don't have much of a choice. So, like, there's this whole idea, I think, there's also the social aspect, you know, whoever's living... There's all going to be like one thing I always like to do is like have false you know beliefs you know the cult believes oh this is proof that our God's right we need to sacrifice people for this you know to appease God or whatever and um, so I think there's a lot of ideas like you know what are, what are the social implications of the zombie virus and uh, what a cure or would people believe the cure works or what if they think you know oh God you're bitten you know you're bitten we have to kill you or we have to cut your arm off and it's like transmitted through you know some other means entirely it's radiation or whatever so eye contact yeah exactly <laughs> eye contact yeah uh, <laughs> so like you know um, I remember reading a comic book where a character gets bitten by a zombie you know and it's like oh god cut my hand off and then later on I was like oh no it's through this drug that you know you, you can't possibly be bitten doesn't matter so he was like oh well that sucks, that sucks. yeah <laughs> Um, Boy, is my face red. Oddly <laughs> enough, a red face is a sign of zombie infection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think we have time for like one more question before the end of the panel. So if anyone's got a real humdinger, this would be an excellent time to unleash it on us. Yeah. Or some, ah, there you go. How about um, suggestions on ways of working so the different genre games? Like, for instance, Ashley Oh, superhero game. Um... I've actually run, I actually ran a game here uh, today, or yesterday, 
based on a superhero zombie game where the characters were people, just normal citizens who all wake up in this, you know, Parasol Corporation's lab and they, they each have a random superpower. Yeah. And they have to deal with zombified superheroes. So they, they have a lot of fun with that. I know there's uh, an RPG out there called Rotted Capes. Yeah. Uh, that has that premise. Um, yeah, zombies can be added to anything. Um, yeah. and, uh, and also, there's, of course, the comic book series, Marvel Zombies and um, uh, Blackest Night, which are both superhero zombie yeah. uh, narratives. Uh, which will give you a lot of ideas on how to do that. I mean, it depends, like, what do you want to emphasize? Are the zombies, like, set dressing, or do, are they a major thematic element? Do you want to emphasize the horror, or are you just wanting to shoot things in the head? You know, uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but, like, Left 4 Dead isn't, like, super horrific because you're just mowing down hordes and hordes and hordes of zombies, like, not, like, Walking Dead or something like that, so... Yeah. I mean, again, you can use you can put zombies into a supers game as, you know, oh, no, Dr. Zombie is robbing the bank with his army of zombies. I guess yeah. I, the Flash, will have to run very fast and put them all back in the graveyard. <laughs> well, that was a day's work. Um, but, in, but in Marvel Zombies, especially the first two, it's a really horrific, post-apocalyptic, you know, world with zombi- zombified intelligent superheroes and villains working together to eat all the flesh, you know, is... Right, or look at Blackest Night from DC where, yeah. you know, all these dead heroes of the past come back and now you've got all these, you know, conflicts, these role-playing yeah. conflicts that come up. It's like, oh my God, my, you know, my ex-girlfriend, you know, she's back from the dead, and, you know, but she still has power, she's going to come and try and kill you, you know, but I don't want to hurt her because I still love her even though she's dead. And, and trying to kill me. And George has got like a, a stack of supplements as, as uh, tall as your arm on, um, uh, on various genres. genres for All Flesh Must Be Eaten. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the whole shtick we did with, with All Flesh was we created source books for different genres. You know, we, we've got a sci fi setting book, we've got a fantasy setting book, a pirate setting book. Uh, believe it or not, we have a wrestling source book. Um, <laughs> um, pulp, pulp setting, Wild West setting, you know. So yeah, you can add zombies to pretty much any setting. It's just you know. Yeah, I mean, what what was your problem? Did you have any problems with trying to no, apply? No, I haven't to- even done it. I was just okay. Oh, you haven't done it yet. What kind of genre were you wanting to add them to, or did you have super something in mind, like to your Pathfinder game or something? Or <laughs> well, he was saying super. No, thank so. you. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Sorry. No, uh, it's so like for instance, just because this is the system I typically play, like the Mutants of Mastermind's game. Okay. Yeah. Where I'm not looking for something in between. Right. Right. Well, I mean, I think if you want to go like halfway, you could have a hot zone. You know, like Doctor Doom's country. Well, he he's finally screwed up, and now his entire country is all is overrun by zombies. Yeah, so it's like a hot zone that you have to go into and get stuff out of. Yeah, I was there's a setting that I've been occasionally talking about doing for uh, GURPS Horror that is called uh, Welcome to Vizaria, which would be the Hammer Horror. Uh, universal horror Eastern European country in the age, age of modern horror so since it would have been behind the Iron Curtain they, the, the Soviets would have done zombie experiments and the valley full of zombies they just sort of put a sign up at each end and then left so <laughs> you have a containable zombie area but it's not you it's know, managing it, it right? It, yeah it, it's not so much managing it so the, yeah. the notion that you can sort of have an, a hot zone or an area where, yep, zombies are going to be here. Don't go there. Just like there's an areas of the real world where, yep, a bull is here. Don't go there. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, um, uh, you, yeah, and you can use those either for just sort of one-off adventure. Oh no, they dropped the president's plane into right. the zombie zone. Or you can make it a real, honest-to-God story. You're the poor bastards from Doctors Without Frontiers who believed your own press release, and now you're there in the middle of the freaking zombie zone trying to yeah. cure people. He is the president. He's the president of British character actor. <laughs> in fact. 
Or you could... You the could American have. president in a Canadian movie, as they like to say. <laughs> All right, I, I've got to go, guys. Um, I, I think that we're out of time, but... Um, right. I, thanks for coming. Anyway, yeah. thanks very much for coming. Thank you. Um, what do we do with these? Bring them up to George. George wants them. What do we do with these? What do we do with these?